On this week's episode of Polk and Kush, we're diving way deep into the Dame Lillard rumors as well as coaches pulling out of the New Orleans Pelican search. We've got changes on the offensive line for the Saints. We've got overrated. We've got underrated. We've got rotting animals in the street and people blowing up McDonald's. You're going to want to stick around for this week's episode of Polk and Kush. Come everyone to poke and cut. My voice still stinks, and it's June thirtieth, two thousand twenty-one. Andrew Polk, Scott Kushner here with you for another wonderful edition of Polk and Kush. We're glad to have you here. Polk and Kush, New Orleans' number one podcast, just in general. Sure, we'll call it. I'll take it. We have the best gear. We have the best listeners. Our numbers are exploding exploding <laughs> it's because i've started using like crazy like tmz style headlines <laughs> like stan van gundy said what <laughs> should they murder everyone <laughs> <laughs> zion's family did what to Griff? uh yeah that is uh you know that's happening but yeah we're gonna be the clickbait podcast from now on why not wild speculation absurd trade rumors just wasting your time because it's not going to happen yeah i really think uh media is basically just a clickbait contest for the most part oh yeah like it's not there's nothing anymore that's like uh information it's it's either just peddling access for favor uh or it's just coming up with bullshit things that don't exist i think the athletic might be the last bastion (laughs) Of of actual journalism. Yeah, so they're definitely going broke. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have no money whatsoever. <laughs> well, every day it's like, please, please subscribe to The Athletic. Please. It's, uh, it's, it's a dollar for five years. And I'm like, ooh, a dollar. Did I have to put my credit card down? <laughs> uh, I don't know. And then I go buy a $9 beer at Florabama. I'm like, this is a good investment. This is definitely better for everyone. I went to Florabama this weekend. How is that? I'd never been. It's it's might be the best bar in America. I uh, it's on the short list. I only thought I thought it was just like a rowdy, crazy bar only bar. I didn't realize it's like a sprawling complex. It's the Melba's of bars. Yeah, yeah. Melba's is a bar. But- <laughs> It's it is it's like an ecosystem in there. Yeah, it was wild. I only went and I only had dinner. I didn't go to I didn't party because I was I would have been by myself. Still would have been cool, man. I guess so. It was the parking lot was just a tail light graveyard. There were re- <laughs> there were just like red and white reflectors everywhere. And I was like, I'm not coming here at 2 a.m. It's I, a shit show in there, man. Yeah, I uh I got the steak. How was that? <laughs> I was just like, I don't want, you know, f- buffalo chicken strip taco. <laughs> what is Florabama known for? Good, yeah. good earthy steak. They've got uh, a lot of tropical drinks. What is the, uh, oh my God, I'm going to 
people are going to be screaming at the radio. I cannot remember like the white frozen drink that they sell and that is like they sell like a, a gazillion of them they had all the names of the of the daiquiris were so absurd and embarrassing i i, I like i wanted them but i didn't want to say like i'll have the wet we fresher yeah <laughs> that was one of them there's one of them that like i've had a thousand of them and every time i'm just basically completely black out yeah the uncle's mustache yeah. <laughs> uh they're awesome uh, I love that bar. You can't go there without hearing Sweet Home Alabama and like seven different genres of music. Yeah. I heard Redneck Woman a few times. Yeah. yeah. So they've got like a piano bar. They've got the like the they've got at least three country bars and a rock bar. Club La Vila in Panama City. Very similar. It's okay. got like seven different versions of music all in the same bar. Uh, but yeah, what were you doing there? I went with uh, my sister and uh, my nieces. And uh, they they were just going to the beach and doing you know go karts and all that stuff. And yeah. Luckily, we made it to Florabama. You know, I'm like, this place is like Tigerland, right? Yes. You know, my eight year old niece is like, what the fuck is? <laughs> I don't know what that means. It is wild. There's kids there during the day, and at night it's like Roadhouse. Oh yeah. Well, there were. Uh, it was the yacht club. Every boat had the Punisher flag and the blue uh-huh. stripe and Trump all that. Twenty twenty four. All yeah. of that. Yeah. And uh, they were they were not blasting music, which I was surprised. I guess there's like a rule because they have all the concerts and stuff there. But uh, there were people like taking their tops off and doing Jello shots. It's a scene, man. Yeah, you know. It's a scene. Well, I'm glad you got to experience that. It yeah. was fun. On the pantheon of my favorite, like, you know, there's a lot of things to do in the single bar. It's uh, Floribama, Sluggers in Chicago, which has, like, the batting cages, a piano bar, a regular bar. Like, that place is awesome. Uh, right next to Wrigley Field. And then Club La Vila in Panama City. They really carry the gamut. You just don't find those super bars here in New Orleans. Like, Pato's is the closest we have, and it's not that much of a super bar. No, not really. I'm, I'm surprised that we don't have something like that yeah. in the outskirts. Maybe, yeah, maybe one day, you know, Dave and Buster's is getting there. That's true. But we need we need it to be stinkier and trashier and cheaper. Nashville has that with that kid rocks honky tonk and kick ass. Fuck you, USA bar, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, that thing's pretty cool, too. It's like 11 stories of, you know, horrible music. I've been to a Toby Keith's. I love this bar and grill, <laughs> which for the record is the most absurd name for a restaurant. Is that Toby Keith saying that he loves his own bar and grill? It is, yes. Well, yeah. It's a great song, though. What do you want to name the bar? I love, <laughs> I this, love bar. this bar. What do you want to name it? I love it. It's like calling America America's greatest restaurant. Just call it that. Best pizza <laughs> on earth. Um, you know, speaking of the clickbait, lots of clickbait. Uh, and we're going to pedal a little bit here today yeah. because what's gone on in the last few days, if you're not paying attention to the National Basketball Association, Damian Lillard, a uh, all NBA performer, one of the league's best shooters, basically uh, is feeding through the press right now that he's not particularly happy with the situation in Portland. Uh, he's been catching a lot of flack from fans because uh, apparently he advocated for Chauncey Billups, who has a rape allegation against him in 1997 if you can't keep up with that you're the you're the reasonable one if you can't keep up with what's going on there anyway Lillard I think has been getting frustrated the team has not been progressing uh you know necessarily getting toward a championship he's getting older 31 years old 
it's starting to become clear that uh, he's going to be looking for separation at some point. And strangely enough, for the first time maybe in the history of this franchise, the Pelicans have a pretty damn good offer to throw out there and a pretty damn good situation to put him in. I think this is a real story. Uh, I don't think it's real yet, but this is like the move they they need to make. Like if you're going to cash in all your chips, this is the time to do it. Yeah, and this is, um, you know, this is the big shot move that we've been talking about for the last couple of podcasts. You know, it's better than Bradley Beal. It's better than any other names floating around. And uh, the offer that uh, has been rumored that they are looking for is four first-round picks. Yeah. At least. Sure. The Pelicans have that in spades, mm-hmm. uh, which is finally the the cards are stacking uh, in favor of the Pelicans. Um some of the offers being floated around also include Brandon Ingram, yep, which I don't think anybody is going to argue with. There have been, we've certainly questioned the uh, enthusiasm behind the All Star, yeah, certainly and, the fit next to Zion, you know? right? And uh, when you want to talk about fit next to Zion, I don't know if there's a better player than Dame to be next to him in all levels, right? Yes, like Dame's a professional. A badass. He plays hurt. He wins in the regular season. He shows up every night. Uh, he's ridiculously clutch, and he has. And then on the court, he has incredible range, uh, shooting the ball. Defenses are scared shitless of him all the time, and he can attack. And offensively, it's like if you have those two guys, a lethal shooter from almost anywhere, combined and who's incredible in the last two minutes of games combined with the most dynamic score at the rim in the NBA, how do you defend that? Yeah, Dame is going to be pulling people off Zion. Zion's going to be doing vice versa. Yeah. It could really open up the floor. And then, uh, you know, some of those players like Nikhil and Jackson make a lot more sense in an offense that's that open. Yeah. They're going to be a lot better players. They're going to become better players around Dame and Zion if that happens, literally anyone would become a good offensive player around them. The only question for as far as a basketball standpoint would be defensively. Uh, and I'm here to just say, I don't care. Like, who cares if you're bad on defense? They were terrible on defense last year. They you were know, like, what are you what are you losing? They were terrible on They're defense get last worse? year. Who cares? They were terrible on defense last year, and they were still 17 games away <laughs> from uh, one point victory. Yeah. They were really close, and if you were just better on offense, they probably would have would have won the whole. If you bunch had a clutch player in there that yeah. can score thirty six every <laughs> single night, exactly, and hit him from half court, and does whenever it matters, yeah, that's a completely different team. Yeah, uh, not to mention uh, Lillard has three years left guaranteed on his deal. I think his fourth is a player option. He just signed an extension. Uh, therefore, even if he doesn't really want to come to New Orleans, you can still make that trade for Dame get him in here, see if it works. And if he's pissed off and wants to leave, you can trade him again. And you can probably go get a whole bunch of assets on the back end. Uh, the only thing you're really giving up, if you if this were to happen, uh, is you're giving up on the future of Brandon Ingram, which honestly, I'm okay with. I think the known, what you know you have in Damian Lillard for probably the next three years versus what's possible from Brandon Ingram for the next I mean, how long until he leaves? I don't know. He's guaranteed for four more, I think, on contract. If you line those up, I don't think it's even a question. 
Well, Brandon Ingram is an incredible player, and we've barely even seen his ceiling. But I completely agree with you on you got you have to go with what's proven, and you have to go with uh, what's going to develop the future of this team. Yeah, you, you got to win. You know, it's it it could be similar to like a Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade situation in Miami. Yeah, where you've got an aging superstar that can help you take that next step, mm-hmm. and then you see the dividends from that for the next eight to ten years. Yeah. And Wade made LeBron a lot better when he got to Miami too. Right. You know, so it's like, there's there's different levels to this other than just being a mid tier all star player with uh, an unknown future. Yes, uh, this is a this is a risk you have to take for the team. Absolutely, and you know, like oh, the picks they did so much to give up these picks. You had to lose Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday to get these picks. They're gonna fuck up the picks. Yeah, come on. You think they're going to get the picks right? Do you think the picks are going to be better than, than Damian Lillard? No. They could play nine guys in the court, like all the first-round picks. They could play all of them together, and they won't be as good <laughs> as Damian Lillard. It's the Bucks picks and the Lakers picks, who have got to be the two worst like places that you want to have their first-round picks right now anyway. Yeah. So what is the difference? Like, who none. cares? There's yeah. none. I don't think anyone is opposed to this scenario you need to get on twitter more often no i don't (laughs) no i don't legally uh no it is there's a pushback as far as like ah it took a lot to get all these pieces and you're just going to give them up and let these two young guys grow together etc here's the deal guys the nba they don't care tomorrow zion could ask for a way out okay uh brandon ingram tomorrow could ask for a way out if they don't like the next coach if things aren't working next year this entire experiment that they've spent multiple years building is gone uh and that happens all the time the nba the rockets came super close for a super long period of time and then it was just gone like there is no telling how long anyone wants to stick around in these markets and then whenever they request the trade it's they seem to just get it uh so you can't just wait around and hope to organically, all the BS that Griff has said for two years now about we want to build it organically in a holistic approach and making it the right way. It's like, no, you can't do that anymore. And you can't do that if you haven't progressed in two years. Uh, maybe if they had gotten a little better this year, it would be easier to sell that. But you cannot do it. You need to go make a move and go get better next year, even if it requires giving up pretty much all the chips that you have cashed in. And no one's going to have better chips than the Pelicans to cash in. Who else has given up a 24-year-old All-Star and four or five first-round picks? No one else has that. No, they don't. And the picks for the Pelicans have always been bargaining chips. Exactly. This uh, Griff has spoken very openly about being a win-now team. Picks are not a win-now thing unless they're being used as an asset. Yes. This should not be a surprise to anyone that actually pays attention to the team, nor should it be anything to even argue over. Who is as good as as Damian Lillard, and who's going to be as good as him in the next five years that's going to be in an upcoming draft class? Yeah. You know, players are coming in more inexperienced, less athletic, Mm -hmm. and for every Luka and for every Trey... There's five million guys you don't know. Yeah. And uh, to roll the dice on that would be uh, it would be a bad move. It'd be asinine. Yeah. It's just like the, there's a head in the clouds mentality of like, <clears throat> if you just keep 
piling up assets, eventually something good will happen. It's like, no, you pile up assets so you can go sign Damian Lillard. Like, that's the reason you pile up assets. The same reason the Rockets piled up assets and went and got James Harden. The same way that the Clippers threw the whole boat at Paul George to get Kawhi Leonard. So I'm like, this is how you do it, is you, pa- you take all of the stuff you have and you go throw it at a great player who's in a bad situation. Damian Lillard's in a bad situation. Like, I think he's frustrated. I think it's very obvious he's frustrated with management there. It's clear that he feels, to at least some degree, he's topped out. Uh, and he's playing as well as he ever has. There's no signs of slowdown from him. And he fits next to Zion Williamson, who is the entire franchise right now. You have to do what you can to make Zion his best. Brandon Ingram doesn't make Zion better than Damian Lillard does. And that should be the whole set. Like, that's the whole thesis, right? Yeah. That's it. So once you've come to that conclusion, now you have to figure out, can you go get this guy? And I think they should be super aggressive in doing it. They should, uh, and a good point, um, you mentioned Paul George, James Harden. These teams, before those players were there, were around the Pelicans' level. The Clippers sucked. Yeah. And as soon as James Harden and Paul George came to those teams, they went to the next level pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. We are we are the self-flagellating monk, from, <laughs> you know, from the Da Vinci Code regarding the Pelicans. Like, yeah. ah, it'll never happen. We can't be. It it is a possibility when you're talking about a player of this caliber. Yeah, the you know the the Pelicans have not brought in a guy of that caliber. Never. They've only not. drafted them. Yeah, and, and won the lottery to do right. It. You know, I guess Chris Paul fell to them, but like. They've had, it's not that they haven't had a talented player. They've never had two players of all NBA caliber ever, uh, which they would if, if Lillard joined up. Uh, the other issue is just like, so the, the other criticism I heard was like, that's not a championship. Like you can't win a championship with 21-year-old Zion and 31-year-old Dame. Like that's not even in you know two three years like that's probably not good enough to win the championship it's not better than lebron and ad it's not better than whatever it's like all right who cares yeah this team has missed the playoffs like they've been in new orleans for 19 seasons i think they missed the playoffs like 14 times well that just be good that duo could create a culture of winning here yeah. which would uh last for you know, that that would go a lot further than just winning a championship one year and dissolving the team like Raptors style. Yeah. If they became a winning team, it would make a big difference in the free agent market. And it could keep Zion here. And I think that's also a bullshit point, because look at the Suns right now. Mm-hmm. What, what's the difference? DeAndre Ayton's the difference. Yeah. Like talent wise, the Pelicans could develop, you know. Is it insane to think that Jackson Hayes could be DeAndre Ayton in, in, in three years? Maybe no, I mean, not. Maybe not in the right situation. Uh, maybe you know? Billy Hernan Gomez is. Uh, Quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, but your overall, and even if they had to give up Alexander Walker or Hayes or Kyra Lewis, whatever, I mean, not all those pieces are expendable. The, the, the point is that you saw, like you just mentioned, you saw what Chris Paul did just walking into a team that was pretty good but didn't make the playoffs. Pretty good last year. And now they're a game away from going to the NBA Finals. Right. Uh, now they got some lucky breaks in there. But at the same time, that is like a very real thing that happened. 
and should be the barometer and the test case that you use to say, great, I know we have, what, three picks from the Bucks, four picks from the Pelicans, and f- I think four more picks from the Lakers with swaps and everything. Just go cash them in. Go, go for it. And if it doesn't work, then you know what? It probably wouldn't have worked anyway No, with Zion. So they're no less likely to have this happen. The, the thing that people have to get out of their heads is the idea that like Zion and Ingram are going to stay here for five more years guaranteed together and build together. That is a pipe dream. Right. The concept that they're going to finish their careers in New Orleans is outrageously stupid. That is a stupid thing to think. There's no... There's Giannis, there's Steph Curry, and no one else sticks at their team. No. No one. No one. Not a single good... Dwayne Wade left. He won three championships. Like, they all... Like, this is not a thing that happens. So, get that out of your head. So, go maximize the time that you have right now. Go try to win in the present. And then, if you start winning, maybe you can build something more organically after that. But for now, you have to go try to make a move. And I think Lillard is a much better fit than someone like Bradley Beal, especially from a contract perspective. Absolutely. Um, You know, if you're going to talk about obstacles here, it's would the Blazers trade to the West? Yeah, I would think so. I don't think they can because if they are restarting like that, they're not worried about winning the West. Right. Um, like the Pelicans weren't with AD. It's like once they restarted that process, they're not worried about the Lakers. You know, that that was the thing that was getting thrown around. And I guess the other teams that have a dog in the fight are the Knicks to some degree. Yeah, they've got, I mean, a bunch of young players and future picks. And then the Pelicans have the advantage against the Knicks. You know, the picks are probably relatively mm-hmm. the same. R.J. Barrett is starting to come into the groove a little bit this Ingram. season, but he's not an all-star. He's not Brandon Ingram. Yeah. He certainly uh, doesn't have the length or the style of play that Brandon Ingram does, which you can find players like R.J. Barrett mm-hmm. every now and then. You yeah. can't really find players... Like Brandon Ingram. It's harder, for sure. And I, I think the other one to watch is uh, is Golden State. They've got a whole bunch of picks uh, available at, at their disposal. And they have, like, James Wiseman and some other young guys that are in there that were early picks. And Dame is from Oakland. I think he would very much want to be there. Therefore, I think they'd be willing to throw kind of everything uh, at them, uh, at Portland for it. But it's an interesting discussion. I think it's something... That should be top of mind for the Pelicans. Way more important than this draft. Way more important than than even the coaching the coach, search, which yeah. is going on right now. Uh, they have to go out and find a piece that is going to be impactful. And if Damian Lillard is even remotely a possibility, they should be pursuing it 110%. I'm hoping that they do. Yeah, I know. And then the other piece of news that came out today was uh, Jacques Vaughn, who was... I think the clubhouse leader, once Chauncey Billups decided he was going to Portland, Jacques Vaughn was the clubhouse leader uh, to get the Pelicans coaching job as they look for their third coach in three years. And he came, uh, basically put out a press release through Woj that said, "Ah, I don't really want the job. No. Not great. Not ideal. Um, Is he saying this because he has the ability to? Because he doesn't want to come to a small market i mean maybe it's just kind of a shit it's it's a it's a shit show of a circumstance to come here like 
third coach in three years. Zion's family's unhappy. Probably not a ton of confidence in the organization right no, now. No, yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, somebody more like uh, Charles Lee, who's itching for a head coaching for job, first time, would yeah. be a little more likely of a candidate. Look, if you put the Pelicans job on paper right now and you say, look, okay, so they fired, they gave an extension to a guy two years ago, then they fired him. They hired a guy last year, then they fired him. Both of their careers as head coaches are pretty much dead, okay? Like, no one's going to hire Alvin Gentry or Stan Van Gundy to be head coach ever again. No. Jacques Vaughn is a guy who already failed as a head coach in Orlando. If he fails again, it will be very difficult for him to get a third job. You line that up with the idea. So you know that expectation exists. Then you have Zion's family's unhappy. You know that David Griffin is meddling. Uh, that has been the chief complaint from both previous coaches that the front office sticks their head in and, and you're not siloed off to, you know, hey, you coach your team, we're going to get you players. That's not the situation in New Orleans. You got to deal with Griff and his, you know, uh, camp counselor motivational stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, the Tony Robbins uh, that is Griff uh, sometimes. <laughs> you got to deal with that. So that's all kind of part of this. And so I, and Jacques Vaughn, I think, is very well paid in Brooklyn. He probably can get another head coaching job somewhere else. All those things sort of combine, and it doesn't shock me he said no, but I do think it's a bad sign for the Pelicans that he basically came out and was like, not that Charles Lee would be bad, but right. just that he was like, ah, I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah, well, you know, Zion isn't is Zion as enticing to coach as he is intimidating to coach because it's like this. Obviously, Zion is running the team from now on. Yeah, whichever way Zion sways, <laughs> yeah. that's the way the team is going to go. Yeah, do you want to put yourself in that position if you've yeah. already been there and and you've got your head kind of on the chopping block? At a place that is very much a chopping block for coaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a list. it's going to have to be somebody unproven. Uh, exactly. Someone who wants a shot. Headlines saying Teresa Weatherspoon was a front runner. Clickbait. Yeah. And that includes sources who are talking to me. I love Teaspoon. Yeah. And she'll be around. She'll be around. She's not going to be a head coach for the Pelicans this season. No. No. And and I think that is, there's just kind of a wide... It's a difficult job right now. I think last year was a much more attractive job to a lot of people. And it does feel like the Pelican search has been narrow this whole time. It's as far as I know from sources, it's been three people, which was Chauncey Billups, uh, Jacques Vaughn and Charles Lee. And now that those two are gone, it almost seems inevitable. By the time you're listening to this, Charles Lee might have the job. And I think he'll do a good job. I think he's a good coach and probably the guy they should have hired last year. Uh, out of Milwaukee, but it still says something not great that Jacques Vaughn was like, eh, I don't need your $20 million contract. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Is this a assistant. wink wink about Charles? Do you know something? I don't. I'm like, no, no, I really don't. No, I mean, right. I, I have been told those three were the guys yeah. the whole time. I'm surprised Chauncey was in there because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Griff is, is very particular you know, the Pelicans franchise as a whole, you know, they avoided Danny Ferry because of yeah. allegations. I, I knew that Jason Kidd was never going to even be mentioned. <laughs> so yeah. that's not surprising about Chauncey, but I, I am surprised that he, his name was even in the hat. The Chauncey thing's so weird, man. It's like an allegation with no charges from 25 years ago. And he's worked at like 11 places since then and never did it really come up. 
Like, do you remember him on his championship run in Detroit and people being like, can you believe what an asshole Chauncey Billups? And that was like six years before. So it's the whole thing is like, I don't know, it all feels very... Uh, yeah, he probably made it up to keep himself out of the Pelican. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I definitely was inappropriate years ago. Don't hire me. I, I, I just, it's a very odd way the media decides when these things matter and when they don't. It's very hmm, strange. Curious. Yeah, I, I honestly can't. But anyway, it turned into like a huge controversy in Portland this week. It's like, it was 25 years ago, there was no charges. And he's worked everywhere without it ever being mentioned in between then. Well. Including ESPN and the Celtics, like places with, you know, pretty high profile places. So what the hell do I know? Um, what do any of us know? I know. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up for the uh, Pelicans this week. We've got some Saints news. We've got segments. We've got so much more coming at you right here on Pulp and Kush. That's J-A-N-S-E-N. It's Jansen. Jansen Patagna, the realtor to the stars. Jansen Patagna. Is that a... <laughs> Jansen Patagna, uh, our favorite realtor, your favorite realtor. Everyone in New Orleans, if you need a home, you Reach out to Jansen, J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R.com, Jansen at F-Q-R.com. He has a gazillion houses. He knows everyone. He sells a house every 36 minutes uh, in this city. The housing market has never been hotter. No one has taken more advantage of it than Jansen Patagna, and he is crushing it and will crush it for you because he understands this market like nobody else does. Jansen Patagna. Chase Young, LaMelo Ball, Jansen <laughs> Patagna. What do these names have in common? Future stars. Rookie of the year. <laughs> That's right. Jansen took home the Rising Star Award at last week's New Orleans Metropolitan Association of Realtors Banquet. Boom. Boom. I mean, how can you say no to that? Yeah. The, the names that have won this award before. <laughs> The cavalcade of stars before him. Now, Jansen's the first star to win this award. He's the biggest star to win this award. He's the biggest star to win it, and he deserves it, and he's earned it. And fans of the show, we've sold two Polk and Cush homes. That's right, baby. Polk and Cush homes become the third. Yeah. The people, what do they say about Jansen? They go, easy to work with, realistic, helps me out. Reads the forms to me because I can't read. <laughs> tells me what all this shit means. Smells nice. Yeah. Is nice. Shaves periodically. He's going to get you a house. Yeah. And you can live in it. How cool is that? Jansen. Patagna. Look him up. Go on Instagram. J underscore Patagna. Uh, Jansen at FQR.com. Just give him a holler. And literally, if, you have, if you're even thinking, if you're like, House, apartment, condo. Just literally just reach out. He will send you an MLS listing with a gazillion things on it, all of which you're going to be like, man, that sounds great. This J looks perfect. J I want to get involved. 
Jansen is a sommelier for houses. Exactly. You can call him, and he's going to be like, what kind of house do you like? And you go, <laughs> I had four walls and a roof. Yeah. He goes, all right, what kind of uh, floor? Oh, you know, wood. Okay. What color walls? <laughs> Probably like a cream or a beige. He goes, I have just the house for you. We're going to go over there. You're going to smell the cork of the house. <laughs> We're going to sample it. You're going to love it. Yeah. He's the best. Jansen Patagna, realtor to the stars. Look him up, call him, do everything you can. Jansen, that's a sponsor. He specializes in houses that are not haunted. That's <laughs> true. Can never be haunted. <laughs> so, there's a rumor going around that Jansen, some kind of shaman, he's got like salts. Yeah. And he will keep the ghost away. So if you're worried, <laughs> if your main concern about buying a house in New Orleans is, I don't want to live in a haunted house, mm -hmm. no haunted houses. Yeah, you don't even need ghost insurance. No. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's like living with the real-life Slimer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is a sponsor, Jansen Patagna. Look him up, give him a call. And speaking of Jansen, uh, the Saints this week... Uh, not much going on with the Saints. However, we are starting to get uh, moving toward training camp. And some interesting stuff came out this week about Cesar Ruiz, uh, a position change. Or I guess I wouldn't even call it a change, really, right? They just kind of picked a position yeah. uh, for last year's first-round draft. He pick. was uh, trying to play guard uh, last season, but last season was... Uh, very fucked up, of course. He yeah. didn't get any preseason games. You know, training camp was was uh, very brief. And uh, with all of the chaos going around in the world, it's not an ideal time to switch positions, especially as a young, inexperienced player their first year in the NFL. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the news coming out uh, is that Cesar Ruiz is developing into what will be a starting guard for the Saints. He's already being praised by Teron Armstead mm -hmm. and Coach Sean Payton, who uh, has lauded his growth, saying that uh, having more of a normal preseason this year and actual training camps will go a very long way with that. And uh, you, that's good for the Saints, obviously, because Eric McCoy is a great center. Yep. They don't need two centers that are great. <laughs> <laughs> Not at the same time. Uh, yeah, it is a, uh, it's a position of need. Certainly Nick Easton left, uh, this off season or was cut or whatever it was. So a hole, uh, that needed to be filled. I guess the question was, would McCoy fill it or would Ruiz fill it? Makes sense. Look, the Saints best teams are when they have their best offensive line. Sean Payton's offense really clicks around that particularly with Drew Brees, it was important to have great interior line because he was so short that he needed to be able to see over the field or, or over those guys, be able to stand in the pocket. He was very good at uh, motoring around that. We'll see with Jameis uh, or with Taysom, frankly. It's probably Jameis, but uh, if they have a bad offensive line, this thing is totally screwed. Oh, yeah. Screwed. Well, this is a good sign for the Saints that they don't have to go out and waste a pick or yeah. you know being able to develop Ruiz into this position bodes well for the Saints uh having a you know options yeah I'd say he was one of the biggest now like what could be less interesting than talking about a guard uh but he's one of the bigger swing position players on the team like offensively like who can swing this season the hardest Quarterback's going to be number one. Like, if Jameis is good, the Saints will be significantly better. If he's bad, they're going to be significantly worse. Uh, the same goes with Traquan Smith. That's a guy who, like, if he has a good year, all of a sudden things look a lot better. 
and if he's not, like, he can kind of go either direction. And then Ruiz is definitely right there, which is like, your offensive line is only as good as the fifth guy. Right. Like, that if you have four guys who are good, who which they do, like, uh, Armstead's good. Pete's fine. I don't know. I hate Pete. When he's yeah. healthy, <laughs> when he's, he's fine. Yeah, I mean, at moments, he's fine. Uh, Ramchick is great, and McCoy is great. And if the fifth guy is good, then you're in a really good position offensively to get the other pieces to be in okay shape. Uh, defensively, there's a lot of other swing guys, but definitely on offense, he is one of the three most important. As far as like enigmas, you don't quite know what you're getting coming in here. That's going to be a really important piece of this offseason for the Saints. And you're interesting that you're you're still in the Traquan hopefuls. I feel like it with uh, with Jameis, he could be good. Man, I jumped off. I'm on Callaway train, baby. You're on the. I like Marquez. He's vol, but like. I don't know. He's just not. I feel like that one game we saw him in, he was great. It just seems like (laughs) Traquan has these moments where you're like, man, this guy is so freaking talented. And then, of course, it's like, ah, he also can suck. I guess the Trout man could be really good, too. Yeah. Under the right circumstance. I could also see him sucking. Not as bad as Jared Cook, but sucking. Did he he get to go to the tight end camp? Oh, I hope so. The tight end university? Yeah. George Kittle threw? That was fun because uh, they excluded <laughs> Tim Tebow and people were like, uh, "Like, what do you think? Yeah. What, why would Tim Tebow be there? No. This is like a make-a-wish thing for Tim Tebow, right? <laughs> it's like this is literally just to get headlines. I mean, Tim Tebow was probably like at the hospital, you know, <laughs> shaking the make-a-wish kid's hand and he was like, hey, can I get one too? <laughs> I want to be tight end. Uh, yeah, that's a weird thing. Like, like they're like all together, all of the tight ends around the NFL be like, we're going to make the yeah. tight end better. It's like, what? Yeah. Okay. Aren't you guys all technically competing against each other? Yeah. Aren't you guys already kind? Aren't like four of you very good already and the rest of you are, are very average? Which is how the tight end position has been for 30 years. This is what happens when a position is solely 6'6 six, six white guys. They have to get together <laughs> and talk about golf. <laughs> they just want like an excuse to talk about it. Just tax. call it Truly Camp. You guys are getting there, cracking open some Trulies, <laughs> playing Call of Duty. We know what's going on. You guys... Don't need any yeah. help. Any excuse to get away from your family. Was Jared Cook there? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, he was driving the car. Say yes, he was teaching them how to fumble away the season. Um, in case anybody needs to learn how to fumble away the biggest moment of your season, uh, Jared Cook's going to come out and do a demonstration for us. They, I bet they had like a PowerPoint presentation at tight end you. And they had a picture of Jared Cook up there, and it was just that big red Ghostbusters no <laughs> over it, just a red slash. Don't, do not do that. Don't do it. Don't yell at Drew Brees. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Trump man could be good. I mean, it, it is. it all kind of hinges right on Jameis, and then from there, probably on the line, and then you go from there, but... It certainly starts to feel like they're marching towards something here. Uh, training camp is probably, what, three, four weeks away. There will be copious reports uh, about quarterbacks, uh, but definitely Ruiz is a name to watch. I thought that was a really interesting story this week in NOLA.com. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that'll take us as we have poke news this week. Um, poke news is basically just going to be LSU, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's they hired not, a baseball coach. There aren't that many shenanigans uh, happening. Polk News is very shenanigans-based. That's true. Not a lot of shenanigans. It's a shenanigan-free right zone right I now. I mean, uh, 
you know, players are still getting arrested daily for having <laughs> assault weapons. <laughs> you know, when I was at Florida, I was there with Junior Gallette. We yeah, were yeah. <laughs> <laughs> y'all had wrestling belts on. It was like, like, look like Magic Mike out there. Woo! Uh, yeah, man, it is. Uh, it's a, a goddamn mess. I, I don't know. The LSU thing was interesting. I was very glad they did not take Tennessee's coach. Uh, that was uh, uh, helpful that they didn't do that. So they went and hired Jay Johnson out of Arizona. Uh, the Wildcats were in the College World Series this year. A very good coach, but someone with zero ties to the South. Someone whose name really didn't come up at all in no. uh, the first you know period of the season. And then, you know, uh, they just kind of kind of see how he does i mean i think that's a good coach i actually think it's a smart hire to kind of go completely outside the lsu family and someone who who might appreciate lsu for its uniqueness rather than feel the burden of expectation that comes with lsu baseball those the the a a level of just spoiled child that a lot of lsu baseball fans are is that what you consider is that what you consider the uniqueness yeah i mean the uniqueness of it being like they have a great facility. It's a fun place to go. It's culturally very important in Baton Rouge compared to a lot of places. Uh, but at the same time, their fans are, if, if you are from it, I think Paul Maneri felt a burden of not winning the national championship every year. And that is a ridiculous expectation to put on them. Well, LSU has always done that to their coaches. Yeah. Uh, regardless of sport, um, you know, he knows what he's getting into. I don't think, you know, a baseball coaching hire is not the same as like a basketball or a football coaching hire. It is a long-term development thing. And I I feel like Jay Johnson is coming into a steady program and is going to keep it, you know, he's not going to do anything wild with it. You wouldn't think. I mean, what do we know? But it's like, they're going to be good. They've got like two incredible freshmen. This guy coached a team to the College World Series this year that has a lot fewer resources than LSU does. Like I guess I just a, mean it's. It, I don't think it's going to change that much. Probably that's probably true. If they had thrown two million dollars at a coach and like went and hired like the hottest name out there, I think that might have gotten a lot more attention. But this will probably. I mean, they're going to be good. They're always right. good. They've been good it for thirty years. I mean, that's you know, it doesn't need to change. You yeah. know, the fans might bitch that they're not winning a championship every year, but that's yeah. insane. And LSU knows that's insane to some degree. Yeah, there is a level of like. You have to just ignore that 20% of LSU baseball fans who can't believe any game they lose. And it's like, just ignore them. Like, just don't even deal with that. And I think having someone who doesn't have any preconceived notions of LSU, as far as that goes, like, Paul Maneri was here. He played, I think, at UNO. Like, he was around Skip Burtman. Like, he knew the lore that he was walking into, which is a lot of ways why he think he felt like a failure, even though he was not a failure. Uh, this guy does not have to deal with any of that shit, and I think that will help. Uh, I just thought it was interesting, you know, after they go hire Kim Mulkey and make, like, a huge splash, I thought they'd try to do the same thing in baseball, like, go hire someone who's won a couple championships or is the hottest name, and they didn't really do that. Uh, I think he took his time. He hired a, a coach who they would have hired almost in any other circumstance. Yeah, well, with the Kim Mulkey hire, you know, LSU women's basketball has not been near the same level of national contender on the same level as baseball. That's so true. making the big splash there, I think, you know, definitely fits with what they want that program to become. Uh, 
But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, old Tiger Droppings handles everything. <laughs> Can I read something that was kind of interesting I found this week since we're talking about college baseball? It's about college baseball? It's about college baseball. I thought baseball. it was going to be about like bugs. <laughs> I'm going to check you for ticks. Um, so we we treat college baseball here with a level of seriousness and, and relevance, right? Like, on the podcast? Well, a little bit on the podcast, but mostly just in the state. In the state. Yeah, yeah, the state, the region. Like, I think social media has made it seem bigger. If I were to ask you, what multiple, like, who had more viewers between the TV show Bob Hart's Abishola? On CBS or the College World Series game one of the national championship, uh, what would you say? Well, obviously, I know what the answer is going to be since it's being presented this way. Sure. I don't know who the first one is. What what was the first one? It's a TV show apparently called Bob Hart's Abishola. Never I'm probably pronouncing that. that wrong. No one's heard of it, okay? The only people who are watching this on CBS, apparently, and the only people who are watching it have been dead for weeks. CBS, <laughs> CBS gets their ratings from people falling asleep and leaving the TV on. Exactly. So anyway, if I were to tell you, yes, Bob Hart's Abishola has more viewers. What the fuck is an Abishola? I think it's just, I think that someone's name is my guess. I don't know. Either way, uh, not just that it had more viewers, it had 10 times more viewers the College World Series drew 385,000 viewers on ESPN2. Bob Hart's Abishola had 3.2 million. Tucker Carlson had 3 million. The NBA playoff game at the same time had almost 6 million. So almost 20 times more people watched the Western Conference Finals game than the College World Series. We like to think college baseball is growing because we're here and it's like we've talked about it growing for 25 years. It, not that many people care. I've, I looked this up. I th okay, Abishola is a woman's name, and Hart I thought you were saying like Bob Hart. I thought like oh, Bob yeah. Newhart. No, the it's the a heart icon. Yeah. Bob loves Abishola is the show, and it is a C it looks like fat guy, hot wife CBS show maybe the King of Queens Redux. Basic, basically, yeah, it drew. 10 times more people while it was airing than the College World Series while it was airing, airing live for the championship series. If the stars of this show came and knocked on my door, <laughs> I would I would think that they were Where Jehovah's the Witnesses. <laughs> what are you doing here? Get out. So just to throw a little cold water on the college baseball <laughs> growing stuff. Now, it was on ESPN2 instead of ESPN. I think tonight will be on ESPN. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It is. Uh, it does go to show that we have we we treat college baseball here uh, with a little bit of outsized influence. Uh, it, it it doesn't mean jack almost anywhere else in the country. Anyway, uh, with that uh, note of cold reality, we will move on to your favorite part of every single week segments. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Underrated. That's right. Your favorite segments, underrated and overrated. Yes, sir. Send them in, polkandcush at gmail.com. No one's ever sent one in, but I'm going to keep fishing. I'm going to put them, I'm going to manifest it. I read The Secret recently. Yeah? I'm manifesting people <laughs> to email us. Nude photos. Uh, or God. suggestions. Yeah, that works too. 
All right. I like both of them. I'm going to start off with overrated. C, B, D. The Central Business District or the oil? Oil. Okay. You or like- you can also smoke CBD as uh, flower, as really? the kids call it. There's CBD strains, yeah. Okay. CBD's, I thought CBD was cool. I've never, I've never used it. CBD's nonsense. <laughs> it's junk science. CBD is fake news. CBD is <laughs> fake drugs. Because you can buy CBD at a gas station. You can buy a T-shirt, a do rag, mm-hmm. with Stewie Griffin on it, and you can buy some Rick and Morty themed CBD. CBD is a placebo effect mm-hmm. where you smoke it. It's fun to smoke stuff. I get it. You're yeah. putting a vape in your mouth. You got the oral fixation. All that shit, and you're like, oh, I do feel more relaxed. The The selling point of CBD is that it uh, relaxes you without getting you high. Ooh. So you're not, like, fuzzy in the brain. You're not saying not. You just feel good, which would, if that, that was. sounds like a perfect drug. If that was true, <laughs> it's the same thing as Coke Zero. If Coke Zero <laughs> tastes exactly like Coke, yeah. why the fuck is there Coke? <laughs> If Coke Zero with no sugar tastes exactly the same as Coca-Cola, which is what they tell you, uh-huh. then there would be no Coca-Cola. That's true. This is a lie. It would just be better Coke. CBD is advertised as being high without being high, getting the nice benefits of a mellow body, mm-hmm. pain relief, blah, blah, blah. This doesn't happen. And here's why it doesn't happen. Go if on. you are a pilot... You can't be on anything when you're in the air. You can't take aspirin. Mm-hmm. You can't take NyQuil. You can't pop a Benadryl. You can't have Flonase. You have to be bone sober. Yes. You know what you can do if you're a pilot? Be on CBD. CBD. That's unbelievable. I didn't know that. Isn't that the tell-all? <laughs> a pilot told me this. That's incredible. Because his wife was on CBD, and he's like, this bitch with the drug problem. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. So it really is just complete BS. Oh, yeah. And I've fallen for it before, too. You know, my friend was like, try this. And he told me all the stuff. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Oh, my shoulders are a little looser. No, it's all nonsense. <laughs> it's like when you wear the metal bracelet, you know? Yeah. It's absorbing my toxins. Wow. Yeah. Well, there goes our CBD sponsorship. <laughs> they throw money at everything, too. Gambling and CBD. Yeah, really our, our sponsorship of the gas station next to Dollar Tree. <laughs> now cease. CBDMD, we need to get you uh, back on board. Uh, you'll be underrated next week. Uh, that is, uh, that's really something. I, I can't, I just don't understand. Like, it's, if that's, that's widespread, why isn't that more like, why isn't this just known as a fraud? People love placebo effects. <laughs> There's a whole industry. Chiropractic. <laughs> We're losing sponsors oh, left no. and right. Uh, uh, the needle thing. What is that? What acupuncture. Is, acupuncture. That's a whole thing, of course. <laughs> Cupping. Yeah. Yeah. None of this stuff does anything. But does that I mean it's a billion dollar industry, right? Yeah. CBD? I'm sure. And just nothing? I got to try it. 
I had just have it. Non-alcoholic I, beer is a big in- that's industry. That's a valid point. <laughs> but nobody's under the impression that it'll make you drunk. No, but it feels good doing it. It does. It's so cool. It scratches an itch. Yeah, that, that's what CBD's doing. There you go. All these, you know, suburban moms and dads, yeah. like, huddling in their backyard, <laughs> like, oh, we're being bad. It's like, no, you're hey, just vaping. Just do drugs. That's This is our new sponsor, Drugs. Talk to your friends who don't have jobs but drive nice cars. Drugs. Poke and Kush uh, branded. We should do Poke and Kush branded drugs. I think that would be good for uh, us. They do have, we can get uh, branded rolling papers. That's for real. Awesome. I've gotten those for people before. If you'd like branded rolling papers, email us. Poke email us. Yeah, the police email us. <laughs> R. Wiggum. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll do my overrated here. Hang on. I look. I wrote something down, didn't I? Oh, you son of a... Oh, kids' birthday gifts. So every birthday party that you go to for a kid, it's all very exciting. The parents are like, oh, we're going to get a whole bunch of gifts. This is going to be sweet. Uh, isn't that great? No. Birthday gifts for kids are a goddamn joke. Every single kid in America at this point that's not on food stamps has a million toys, okay? And even the kids on food stamps have somebody else's million toys because everybody has to donate every six weeks to get the crap out of their house. No one can buy a new house unless you go to Jansen. So you just have to keep purging this stuff, okay? So instead what happens is you buy a $25 gift there's a, a cycle of you buying a $25 gift. It goes into someone's house. Within six weeks, it's in some other person's house because they've donated it because they didn't really want it in the first place. But in order to go to the party, you have to bring a gift or you feel like an asshole. So while the idea of gift giving is a nice thing and everyone's like, oh, great, it's a birthday. Our kids will be so excited to open up these gifts. All you're really doing is giving yourself an errand. That's all you've done. <laughs> You've given an errand to the person bringing the gift, and you've given yourself an errand for having to go to Goodwill to drop this gift off later in, in six weeks. So this is stupid. Let's just stop giving gifts. To for, children. For, to children, yes. Your grandparents can give gifts. You can give gifts to your own children. Let's not expect strangers to go hand $25 presents of bulky plastic shit to your child. Can we all agree on this? I think, um, you know, a solution here could be maybe like a George Costanza thing where it's like the human fund. <laughs> yes, I exactly. have donated. No one's going to be able to afford to go to college in no. 20 years. Yeah, so say, hey, 29 plans. here's 25 bucks. Put it towards <laughs> your kid's college fund. They're not going to do that. But the sentiment's there. I remember getting a bar, for my bar mitzvah in seventh grade. So this is 1997. And I'd get... Uh, a thing that said uh, $250. Be like, sweet. And it'd be like, U.S. savings bond. Ooh. <laughs> cash it in seven years. And I was like, screw you. <laughs> and now I think back and go, that was genius. I didn't need $250. And when I was 13 years old, I couldn't do anything with it. When I was 21, I badly needed $250. <laughs> so that was one of the smartest gifts anyone ever gave. So here's my recommendation. Don't buy things. Buy savings bonds. Maybe even NFTs. I'm going to buy top shots for three-year-olds. That's what I'm going to be doing from now on. Uh, birth, kids' birthday gifts, overrated for everyone. People buying, people receiving, everyone. 
overrated. I, I think a good way to sell this would be on the savings bonds. Put like SpongeBob and Scooby Doo, and so the kids are like, <laughs> yeah, "Well, I guess yeah, it's it's sure. a nice compromise." Yeah. I get a picture of Scooby Doo. Yeah, the envelope is the best part of the gift, anyway. Uh, what you got for uh, underrated, sir? Underrated cable television. And you know why I'm saying this? Because I'm sick. All I do is I get on the streaming service. I get on Netflix. I get on Hulu. Yeah. And I just scroll for hours. <laughs> I don't even watch. I, I'm paying $40 a month to just go through covers <laughs> of TV shows. It feels like work. I'm like, I don't want, I don't know what any of this shit is. No. I watch the same four things over and over. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying to myself by going, oh, maybe I'll see this Bo Burnham spot. No. No. I'm not going to watch Bo Burnham. I'm going to watch the fucking Sopranos again. <laughs> and I'm just going through, wasting my time. With cable, you just turn it on and there's a thing. It is true. At, the, at Orange Beach, I turned on cable. It was TV land. And I watched King of Queens. Dude, that bachelor party that I sat in the hotel for half the time, I just watched regular HBO, and there was like six movies on that I liked. It's great. And I was like, this is so, you know, they, I got it like halfway through, and I was like, fantastic. I don't I, need to be here for the beginning. I have to do no work. Yeah. I turn it on, and it's there, and it just starts playing. Yeah. And then I'll, I'm looking at my phone either way. It doesn't matter. It's genuinely shocking that Netflix doesn't have just like a Netflix channel. Yeah. And when you get on Netflix, something is playing from Netflix. That's a great idea. Like a Pandora Netflix. It's like, yeah. hey, you liked, uh, you know, you liked King of Queens. Put it on. Everybody loves Raymond. Fantastic. Bob Hart's Abishola is on. <laughs> <laughs> but all of them should have that. Like the second you get on the app, there should be just like a little box in the corner streaming something. And then you can choose to click on that something or you can go browse for the 9,000 yeah. titles. But if they had something or maybe even like three choices of like comedy, romance. They could I do like, like a match, like yeah. a match game thing. Like, do you want what's in box number one? <laughs> yeah, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to be depressed? Not match game. What the hell am I thinking of? They uh, dress up in costumes and uh, Wayne Brady yells at him. <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> no, it's a show. Damn it. I'll never remember. Guess the number. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i can like it makes me crazy how many decisions you're required to make same with like a DoorDash or any of that let's like, make a deal let's make a deal but it's like there's just so many decisions that have to be made i'm just exhausted by yeah it. that's like the, the smartest thing that i ever heard anyone talk about was barack obama being like i got rid of every suit that i had and i only have two suits I was like, I have a black and a blue, and I alternate days because I just couldn't handle it. I decide so much crap that I didn't want to decide anymore, and it was like, yeah, that's genius. Well, he had to get rid of the tan suit. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he was a terrorist for that, you know. But, uh, so, yeah, it was just like those things. I was like, I like to limit the amount of decision. I have decision fatigue. Yeah. That's why you have one pair of underwear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wear the same shirt every day. This one says Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, That'll take me into my underrated, uh, the low-grade steakhouse. Ooh. So. The Florabama? You, <laughs> when you think of the classic American steakhouse, you're thinking of the Ruth Chris. Oh, yeah. The Flemings. Maybe even the fancy one down. You know, what is the one in the casino? The one that was John Besh, but then John Besh molested a bunch of people, and now it's called something else. Either way, a nice steakhouse with good bottles of wine. It's dark, and it's got like a seductiveness to it, and they give you bread. Uh, 
those places are fine and they have their moments. I went to Charlie's and Crescent City Steakhouse in the last like six weeks. And those places are the shit. Oh, yeah. They're like half the price of those corporate steakhouses. Everyone in there is ugly, which is awesome. <laughs> They're all fat and ugly. Uh, just, I feel at home amongst the fat and ugly. I saw Trombone Shorty, actually. He was not, neither fat nor He's ugly not. at Charlie's. And that was awesome. He was very nice. Uh, Charlie's is great. They have like limited sides. The food is, is like... It's like, yeah, it's a steak, so it's still expensive, but it's not outrageously expensive. And you get out of there, you feel good. They've got, you know, mediocre wine, mediocre cocktails, mediocre steak. But a mediocre steak is still pretty goddamn good. Yeah. And it's like, this is, uh, I feel like we're losing that tether that everyone thinks about the steakhouse as being a very upscale experience. The steakhouse should be for the common man as well. Common man steakhouse, underrated. I completely agree. This is great. Did this count as an underrated? Did I get it right this time? I think so. Okay, all right. Because people, I mean, people poo-poo on Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, you know, it's the same tenet as fried chicken. It's hard to fuck up fried chicken. Yeah. It's easy to fuck up a steak, <laughs> it is, yes. but it's also easy to make a pretty good steak. Don't yes. cook it too much. Don't put any shit on it. Yeah. You know, just ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> ketchup, big, big ketchup nice big side of ketchup yeah. with a bun um yeah just like you can get a decent steak and it be like that's a above average meal yeah and it's a nice experience like you don't need a nice trout almondine to go out no give me a crappy steakhouse don't i don't need a 52 you can get filet. out of a steakhouse uh 35 dollar check that's beautiful yeah i think we had Cocktails, beers, wine, sides, appetizers, and everyone got a steak, and it was like 75 bucks a head. Isn't that amazing? Man. You couldn't get a steak and a salad for that at Ruth Chris. Absolutely not. Crescent City Steakhouse killed it. Charlie's, similar. Ryan's Steakhouse. Right. You absolutely can. <laughs> you absolutely can. Bonanza. The Great American Steak Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Fogo de Chao. Yeah, I have not been to one except for in Brazil. Texas de Brazil is also... Is there still a Fogo de Chao here or yep, a Texas de Brazil? There okay. is. There's no Texas. There's a Fogo. It's like 60 bucks, right? Yeah. And it's like all the meat you can handle. That's where we're going to go for the uh, official one-year anniversary <laughs> the party. <laughs> the meat sweats. <laughs> meat sweats with the Pogo. That's what we call the fans. <laughs> The meat sweats. <laughs> the fat uggos, our fans, and our <laughs> and us. Uh, all right, that'll take us into my favorite part of every single week on this here program, ladies and gentlemen. The worst. The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. A uh, very similar concept I heard on nine. Yeah, driving to work this week. Thieves. I don't know the guy's names. It's uh, an older fellow and a younger fellow. And uh, they had something that was like the stupidest thing I saw or read this week. It's like, all right, guys. Thieves. Man. We're the first person people to ever think of this. <laughs> I applied for a job there in 2010 to, like, to do social media. And they brought me in. 
and they were like uh, they wanted like a list of tweets or jokes or whatever uh-huh. to read and like i went through the whole interview process it was really long and involved and I didn't get the job. And uh, a month later, I heard the fucking jokes that I submit, like, <laughs> you know, fucking doing a fucking Dots Diner commercial. Ah! All right. Uh, Yahoo News. Iowa man calls in bomb threat because he didn't get sauce for chicken McNuggets. That sounds reasonable. Police say an Iowa man attempted to get revenge on his local <laughs> McDonald's after he was shafted out of sauce for his chicken McNuggets. I've never related to a criminal more. <laughs> Do they charge for sauce now? Uh, at a, I think you get like one per 12, oh my something God. like that. Uh, police arrested... Some guy on Saturday night after, <laughs> after he allegedly threatened to blow up the restaurant and punch an employee over missing condoms. Just the hyperbole there is so funny. That's like, great. I didn't get my Szechuan sauce. I'm going to blow this place to the sky and then punch you. Aside from blowing the place up, I'm going to punch you. Yeah, first, I'm going to blow it up. Then, if you're still standing, I'm going to punch you in the stomach. Yeah, it's like a Breaking Bad scenario where he blows up the room. And, uh, investigators told the station the 42-year-old suspect called the fast food chain after discovering his order was incorrect. After police contacted the man, the sauce-craving suspect admitted to making the threats. <laughs> Authorities arrested the man and charged him with a felony charge of making a false report of explosive or incendiary device. See, that's why if you're going to make a threat, you have to follow through with it. Yeah. If this man had blown up the McDonald's, <laughs> he'd probably be fine. It's They'd true. go, well, you know, he didn't get the sweet and sour sauce. Yeah. The, ju- the ends justified the means. <laughs> On Sunday, he was released from Polk County Jail after posting bond. Police have made some bizarre... Wait. People have made some really bizarre bogus bomb threats before. For instance, in January 2019, a 23-year-old college student in France called in a fake bomb threat so he wouldn't have to see his parents. And locally, in November 2018, a New Orleans man was accused of threatening to blow up a local restaurant and was uh, he told the police that he was simply referring to a bowel movement. <laughs> We're gonna had to, to, we had to have done that one. We are going to have to investigate that. November 2018. We had to have done that one. Oh, that's so good. I'm going to blow up this McDonald's. I'm sure everybody in the McDonald's was like, fine. I remember being in a high school basketball game and the, uh, when my brother was playing. And one of the dads, who now runs a relatively prominent company in New Orleans, one of the dads yelled at the ref, I'm going to burn down your house. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the most, like, I was like, that's like a thing you could do. Like, I'm going to kill you. Just comes off as like an ad hominem attack. Yeah. I'm going to burn down your house. Really does sound like something. I'm going to actually go there right now <laughs> and burn down your house. And, you know, maybe you won't be in it. Yeah. But when you get home, your house will be burned down because you called a bad foul on my 17-year-old child. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we're definitely not naming that guy because I don't want to get sued for that. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy said, uh, one of the other parents one time said the ref should be coaching women's basketball. He was doing so bad of a job. Oh. And then he walked home. <laughs> God. His wife, like, walked to the other side of the thing. <laughs> awesome. It was great. Uh, anyway, uh, my worst of the week, 
a from NOLA.com, our good friend Doug McCash. Thanks to Emma Pegues for sending this one over. She always provides some nice links that I miss. Uh, quote, a reeking pile of animal remains, snarls, traffic in the Irish Channel. What was it? So that is a reeking pile of animal remains. I, uh, I heard about this story. Um, I guess it was over on like religious and uh, Celeste or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and there were what appeared to be maybe a shark or whale <laughs> guts, intestines in the middle of the road. Yeah. All manner of mayhem can snarl New Orleans streets, potholes, unfinished construction, floods. But the heap of reeking whatever that closed an Irish Channel roadway was something new altogether. Based on the smell, the obstruction was some sort of large animal rotting in the sun just blocks from the Walmart near on Religious Street near Chapatulas. What sort of animal? Social media suggested it was a whale or a shark, though identification was difficult after traffic had churned through the guts. Ooh. <laughs> Quote, it might have been a hog or something, said a sanitation worker. But another onlooker, say, spotted a fin among the mess. The guy from they had to call the guy from security emergency preparedness, Colin Arnold, who wanted to slit his own throat. <laughs> it doesn't say that. In, you know, in his opinion, the lumpy grayish ick appeared to be the mangled remains of a horse. He said he saw what may have been a hoof. Quote, we're not sure how it happened, but we're trying to get it mitigated as soon as possible. There's a hoof. There's a fin. This is man bear pig. <laughs> the initial analysis indicates the animal was a terrestrial mammal, okay. most likely a cow. How you can screw up a shark and a cat? I mean, I incredible. Basically, they still didn't know the answer to what this animal was. Uh, but it's a good news that a lot of people... Watched it rotting. No one did anything about it. It snarled traffic for hours upon end. And everyone was just kind of like laughing it off. Because this is New Orleans where no one gives a shit. You have to appreciate people seeing what could clearly be like a dead body. Yes. And just going, I'm going to be late to my job at Walmart. Good news. I've got an excuse. Uh, you know, all the other times I was late, well... This one, I actually have a reason for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also like that, you know, this like weird animal remains in the middle of the street that they can't figure out what it is. The mo most pressing concern of it was that it snarled traffic. <laughs> Not that there's a random animal out that got killed. No one did anything about it for days on end. And therefore, it just sat there rotting in 90 degree temperatures in the middle of the city. Yeah, did it fall off a truck? Did it fall from the sky? <laughs> it's a mile and a half from the French Quarter. Did somebody throw it out there as a goof? Remember the stingray? The stingray yeah, on Broad? Yeah. People are traveling from all over the world to come hang out in the French Quarter, the birthplace of jazz. And a mile and a half away, there's a dead animal that no one's even willing to do anything about. Not even going to drag it out of the street. <laughs> That's New Orleans, baby. If anything has ever explained New Orleans... That's New Orleans right there. You traveled across the world to come visit this place? We don't give a shit enough about this place to clean up the mystery animal remains that are not only smell terrible and rotting in the street, but have also we can't drive around it. Like, ah, we'll get to it. 
That's New Orleans. That's New Orleans, baby. And that is Polk and Kush. Thank you so much for listening. We have a lot of fun doing the show. If you have a lot of fun listening to it, tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell a relative, tell anybody, post about it online, follow us on Twitter, Polk and Kush. Email us, polkandkush at gmail.com. We got live events coming up. We got merch coming out. We have a whole bunch of stuff. As always, thank you to our sponsors, Jansen Patagna at French Quarter Realty, as well as Ale on Oak. Over on Oak Street, beautiful uptown patio with refreshing booze. Uh, Give it up for Scott Kushner. Give it up for me, Andrew Polk, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. 